Racers, welcome back to another massive episode of Only Sport with a huge guest, Ben Graham. The first Australian to go to an NFL Super Bowl. We dive into all of that. We talk about Tom Brady and how he cost him his career. He was the first bloke to be cut three times in a season and an unforgettable flop. Oh, you won't see this one coming. It's a great episode. That's enough from me. Let's dive in. We all love an impressive performance on the field. And now, thanks to our latest sponsor, Pilot, you can have an impressive performance in the bedroom too. Pilot provides Aussie men with the clinical tools to treat bedroom issues like erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation. Not a fan of the doctor's office? Pilot is all online, so you can sort it out right now over the phone, and with free delivery Australia-wide, you can be back on your game in no time. Head to pilot.com.au today and get started. Play hard until the final whistle with Pilot. Aces, I know I always talk about the Rixies, but i got to offer you the discount again. In case you've forgotten or in case you're sleeping under a rock, we have a special discount code for everyone that listens to this podcast or watch the podcast. It's Aces. Head online to rickseyewear.com.au and use the discount code Aces and you'll get 20% off. That's right, 20% off, one-fifth at checkout and free express shipping. So head online, rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. All right, do we have a big show for you today? Let's get stuck into it. Right, we've got the king in the building, the BG, the big fella, the, the king of NFL as well, the face of Australian, um, I guess, American sport would, would be you. And uh, anything that NFL, whether it's flag football, you know, American football, TV, Super Bowl, you'll see your face. It's great to have you in the studio, mate. I know we've uh, we've upgraded. You're my first podcast ever online. We went from Zoom to the van to the Roland Media <laughs> Studio. So it's uh, it's great to have you back in, big fella. Tommy, well, it's, thanks for having me. Yes, it's uh, we've come a long way, haven't we, from COVID online to the van in that uh, car park at Glenfrey Oval. And then, uh, of course, in between times, you've been hosting – NFL oh, yes. armchair the experts armchairs. filling in for Cam Luke. You did a great job too, by the way. Great oh, feedback. mate, it was, if it wasn't for you, I would have been in a lot of trouble. I think I forgot to introduce myself. I was trying to work out the stings off the commercials, but, mate, it was uh, it was great. That was a good one to do with you, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. So shout out to Seven for the opportunity. But today, mate, it's all about only sport. Our new show um, with all our NFL, uh, I guess, fantasy football league friends and uh, they've all come through as guests and it's been good. I think this is episode five now and we've had some we've had some interesting uh, conversations. We obviously big shout out to our sponsor Pilot who has our main segment coming up, the unforgettable flops. No doubt you would have had a few in different sports. So looking forward to, um, no, not unforgettable <laughs> flops, Benny, not at home. I mean, on the, on the sporting field, but Mate, let's start off with, as a young fella, what drew you to sport? Like, who was it that said, you know, was it, was it mum and dad or what was it? Was it school and what sports were they? Well, naturally growing up in Geelong down the Ballerine Peninsula, uh, there was a fair bit of sport going on, but I was born into a sporting family. My grandfather, Jack, played over 200 games for South Melbourne. Uh, my uncle, Rick, uh, played for Geelong. Uh, dad played a lot of country footy. Mum was a champion netballer. Back in the day. So my brother and I, my brother's only 21 months younger than I am, so we were always into something. We were blessed, I guess, to be given the opportunity to play whatever sport that we wanted to try a hand at. So we did anything from gymnastics to basketball to cricket to football, but it was probably athletics was the one that uh, was my first love. I just loved to run. Uh, I was pretty quick as a kid and um, I uh, – mum used to tell me a story about when I was in grade one, school sports, you know, you run around the oval, the oval's like a cow paddock. But I tripped over, fell over in about the first 10 metres and, of course, she would have gasped and like, oh, I hope he gets up. Hope... Well, apparently I got up and I ran and ended up winning the oh, wow. winning the race. But I didn't know really until I was in primary school when I was doing athletics um, – for, you know, Geelong Little Athletics Club for Leopold and had um, some good results as a junior. So I actually thought growing up that I would be an athlete. I was looking at Carl Lewis and Gary <laughs> Honey at the Olympics and, um, you know, I, I, I had some speed. We won uh, the gold medal in the Pan Pacific Games in the 4 by 100 
think I came uh, came last in the final in the 100, but it's still eighth fastest kid in that age, I mm. guess. So, but I th- sort of um, then tried my hand at basketball and athletics and then footy was probably the one, though, that I knew I would end up playing, but it was my dad that held me back because he'd seen so many kids come into footy. Dad was a local footballer. He was president, coach of local teams. He'd seen so many kids come in at a really young age and be burnt out by the time they're 17 and 18 and they'd lose that mm. transition into senior footy. So I actually took a year off and um, and played tennis. So I went on the BP Cup and was in the McDonald's squad. and You've done it all. So then I thought I was going to be a tennis player. <laughs> But it was footy, um, so I missed the year from under-15s to under-18s that first year because I was a late developer. Tommy, I, uh, I didn't go through puberty until I was about 16 and a half, 17. Late bloomer. Real late bloomer. And a big boy, so you must have went bang. I wasn't. Like, no, but back in the day, I'm saying, you must have had a big growth I spurt. did, I did, yeah. Well, people from year 12 to the reunion the next year, Wondered what had happened. I'd grown about a foot, <laughs> you know. I thought, what's going on down there at Geelong? No, but it was, it was probably, um, it was probably all of that. The, you know, try whatever you want, um, see what you're good at, what you have fun with. But it was footy. Um, my first, you know, under eighteen year, we won the flag. We went back to back the year after, and. You know, I got drafted at a time when there was 52 on the roster and they could have development players. I was drafted sort of late. Um, that doesn't really happen now with the the uh, the list so so small. But um, I guess I was lucky um, to be given the opportunity to play many sports. That's great. So yeah, you kind of you're the opposite of being burnt out. Do you think? Um do you think you had a chance at any other sports or was it pretty obvious that footy was your number one? Like, you know, did the old man say, mate, you're very good at football, I would stick to this one, over tennis and all those other things you mentioned? No, well, well athletics was um, my first real love, I guess. But, you know, when you get to a certain age when the kids are going through puberty earlier, um, they're bigger and stronger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, mate, days? I remember going, because I was a bit like you, you know, you, you don't even have pubes and you're lining up against these blokes that got armpit hair. Right. And you're looking at them and you're already intimidated. You're going, this bloke's got, like, you know, not only is he muscle, but he's got Amen. the armpit hairs dangling down and you're going, mate, I've only got a couple of pubes. Yeah. <laughs> you're thinking, exactly this bloke's going to, but then you, sometimes you can beat these blokes. And I remember even in basketball, you come up against them and go, oh, geez, these these blokes are pretty big, pretty pretty powerful, but they've just gone through puberty a bit earlier. Um, same with footy as well. But I always say to the kids that um, are late developers, like you, one day you're going to be bigger, taller and stronger. It's an advantage to go through puberty later in life. Um, and, and the talent pathway in the AFL very much identifies that for kids that are born in the back half of the year and maybe go through puberty a little bit later. But I sort of... You know, it, it was – I felt like I was a good little athlete, um, one Geelong Athlete of the Year in 1984. There you go. So I was sort of on my you way. You must have been quick. I didn't think you would be quick. You must be Yeah. Uh, then, um, you know, basketball, it was sort of the hobby sport. Yeah. Um, but still played a bit of rep basketball. <clears throat> the tennis was probably just a gap year mm-hmm. from footy. So I was probably always going to be footy. I hated cricket, living down yeah. near the beach. Used to love – Waving to him on the way down to the beach every Saturday. Well, I reckon Saturday. your parents would have loved that decision because I look back and um, love me cricket, love hanging out with probably the teammates. But there's days where I'd go out for a duck or you'd bowl horrific and you're driving, you, you know, your old man's taking a day off and, you know, he's probably got two weeks off and he's taking you down to Bendigo and it's 35 degrees and you're sitting in the field and he's, you just, you think as a parent, it's a commitment and a half. And to make cricket, you know how hard it is to well, get a it's No, not no like judgment a, to those that love cricket. Yeah. And I supported Jack, my son, who played cricket. At, for Xavier for a number of seasons, but I wasn't mad when he gave it up. <laughs> but, but then it was footy um, and I just loved the football environment. Mum was president of the ladies' committee playing netball. Dad was coach and president. Uh, so we basically it was our second home. My brother and I, we lived there essentially. So to play, a couple of flags, mates. Um, but I never got to play a senior game for Leopold because I was, I was drafted. Um, in 91. So it was probably, well, I had a few opportunities. It was probably footy, but I didn't really appreciate the lineage that my grandfather was such a, we just got the, um, 
bio for his Hall of Fame for South Melbourne. And you sort of don't appreciate what a fantastic career he had. So I guess part of it's in the blood, part of it's natural. Um, but that's a lot of hard work, as mm. you know. Yeah, there is a lot of hard work. Let's talk about that. What were some of the sacrifices you reckon you made as a young fella that you could share with people today? Um, you know, is there anything that you kind of gave up going through the ranks or, you know, what was No, it? not really. Um, probably mum gave up most of the sacrifice, carting us around town for uh, athletics, to basketball, to whatever it was, whatever it was. Um, no, my, I was probably lucky that things came sort of naturally. I, I the, the, the biggest sacrifice I probably made was when I got drafted and I couldn't go to O-Week for Deacon when I was a student. What's O-Week? I don't Oh, it's orientation week. Orientation so it's a week, week of parties and oh, gotcha. you know, fun. So I, I didn't live. So while I was playing football uh, and trying to get a degree at the same time, I didn't, I, I had to give up that uni life, you know, the fun. The, yeah, you know, the, the social the, life. Of all that because I was become a professional athlete. Well, at that stage it really wasn't too professional. Yeah. But it was getting there. Yeah, that's fair enough. And that, and that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's like most people giving up parties and whatnot. You've given up the, the social scene at uni. Um, very, you're ahead of your time, I reckon. Not many blokes would have gave up the, uh, orientation week back then. You know, they would have had a little bit of a dabble, I reckon. Well, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was tough because everyone from school going to uni, uh, Deacon particularly, you wanted to get there and see your mates and, but then when, when you're drafted and it's like, well, hang on, this is an opportunity I need to invest in wholly and solely. Um, I uh, I paused uni for a while to focus on my footy mm-hmm. um, because it was at that stage when it was becoming more and more professional. It went from, you know, evening trainings because they all had jobs to, to day training pretty much every day. Um, so something had to give and that, that was uni. But, you know, that, that was okay because you've got a new – life and new friends and a new social experience when it comes to playing footy. Well said. Let's th- let's talk about without sport, right? So yeah, yeah, if you're a, if you didn't if you didn't go on to be this superstar and I'll get you to run on your um I want you to tell everyone your stats quickly in a in a moment, AFL and NFL just so we can get a quick glimpse, but let's if you don't know, google it. But Benny, if you didn't have sport, what do you reckon you'd be doing? If you didn't play AFL and didn't play NFL, what do you think, like where do you think you'd be today and what do you think you would have been doing as a young fella? Well, I, I would have still been playing sport. I think I, I never forget the day I was driving home from uni and the draft was on and I heard my name read out on the radio. And I, But when it got to the third pick, I thought if my name's not read out here, like I, I may never play AFL again. So then I, my, the rest of my life flashed in front of my eyes um, and that was okay. That was playing local footy for Leopold. It was going to uni. It was getting a degree. It was running a business. It was, you know, being I had a majoring in mark, marketing and management. So that that would have been okay. And I've but I've used that to with what I do now. Um, run some businesses. We own some businesses. Um, but that's that's okay. I would have still played sport though. I would have still played at a at an amateur level and enjoyed everything that community sport has to offer. Love it. Love it. Yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. It wouldn't have been wouldn't have been like Dion Prestia down at the fruit and wholesale market at Footscray. He reckons that's where he was going with the old boy if he uh, didn't go top 10. But everyone's got a story, no, right? No, and that's why we ask it. It's a great question. Um, I don't know what I would have done if I wasn't playing footy. It's just a, it's a good question because everyone's got a different walk of life. And, um, well, see, I might have coached. Mm. Um, and that's why I love coaching under-16s, football and basketball. Um, just giving back, feeling like you got something to offer, and and part of that is because of the experiences that I've been through, and you think you can impart some of your wisdom and knowledge Experience. on young men. Yeah, well, you've you've done it all. How many games AFL? Two hundred and nineteen. And NFL? Or was it more seasons? We'll go seasons. Eight. And f- how many four clubs? Four. Yeah. Yeah. Three in one year, Tommy. There you go. So, and that's that's something. Being, you know, moving clubs, family, your story. If you haven't checked it out, Tommy Talks episode one with Ben Graham. Listen to that. It's a cracker. Um, we won't, uh, I won't, you know, not that we'll bore you, but we've got a lot of other questions to ask. 
over that time, you just said three clubs, NFL, you know, over in the States in one year. I'd imagine this leads into the next question, maybe not, but what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had in your career and how have you overcome them? Well, the, no doubt the biggest challenge in my sporting career has been the transition from AFL to NFL, not just the sport and learning a new craft. Yes, it's kicking a football, but it's quite different to just picking up a ball and kicking it like in the AFL. It was about moving to America and the visa situation and the medical and having the family come over and, um, you know, nothing was guaranteed until the season started. So there's a big risk that we took. But we wanted to give it um, our best and we did it together and, you know, my family are a huge part of the reason why we spent so much time over there because there were some scary moments, you know, you, you, you pulled up at customs because you're on a – you got a contract, but you're not on a sporting visa. So what are you doing here? And then, you know, my daughter got bitten by a spider, but you take them to the hospital, but you haven't got medical because you haven't got a contract because the season hasn't started. Wow. So it's some some scary um, challenges that we faced as a family, but that's what makes the journey so special, knowing that we've been through that. During my NFL career, there certainly was some on-field challenges because – there's only 32 jobs in the world. So to get one is really difficult, but to keep it is even harder because there are thousands of people there every day trying to take your job. So the challenge of punting a football might not sound like a challenge to some, but when the pressure is on you every single time you pick up a football, even at practice, knowing that you can lose your job after a bad practice. And I saw it firsthand um, in 2008 when I was embarking on my fourth NFL season, started with the Jets again for my fourth year, thought I was going to play for the Jets for the rest of my life, at least 14 years like I did at Geelong. And then uh, week two, I had a bad game against the Patriots, gave Tom Brady good field position. He scored four touchdowns on the back of it. I got cut on the Monday. (laughs) That's crazy. Got picked up on the next, like the Thursday, because the punter that replaced me pulled a hamstring. And the Jets were playing in San Diego and I was with Darren Bennett spending some time with him and um, I met – they re-signed me, right? So I have gone to the hotel and the guys just thought I went back to Australia for the week. That's why the other punter was there. So I was back. So I was back in the fold. We won the game, played well, all good. Two weeks later I got cut again because the guy that pulled his hamstring was right to go again and he was a cheaper option. So that was a real – like, my goodness, my career's over. I'm done cried in the car park, in the car. What am I going to do? Tell the family, moving back to Australia. Uh, but then I got picked up by the Saints and played in London at Wembley, uh, which was awesome, and then got back to the New Orleans and Sean Payton called the kicker and I in at the same time and said, look, boys, we're going to release you. We're going in a different direction. I found out later the only reason they signed me is because I had a passport <laughs> and they were going to London because they cut the guy the week before uh, after the game. And they hadn't got their shit together to. And you're the only one who could get in the country. That's unbelievable. Right. And then, uh, and then a month later, I was uh, found myself at the Cardinals, who were on the way to the Super Bowl. So I was only the third player in NFL history to play for three teams in one year. So it's sort of crazy to to come from an environment where a contract is a contract. You play, you sign for Geelong for five years. You play Geelong five years. Um, but over there, it's just if you don't perform, you are. It, that is, I mean, I know you've told me that before, but I f- just you kind of reminded me again. That is crazy. And, you know, it kind of leads into like how did you overcome it? You know, like what, you know, obviously <laughs> there's ways of overcoming it, which is just kind of sticking at it, the cliches. But like, it, and it, almost a fairy tale, but I know Arizona's probably. Oh, a, no, it was a fairy tale. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, it was well, a I don't fairy care tale. about the result. And I'm yeah. honest and open about this. Like when you, when I, when I tell that full story of that year, I started the year on Sesame Street, mm. ringing the Wall Street bell. Fin up, boy. <laughs> the Wiggles were coming out doing their encore in my Jets jersey. Like it doesn't get much bigger when you live in New York and, and that's not, I didn't want that. That's just what it was like. But then you get cut by the Jets twice, by the Saints, uh, and then you get picked up by the Cardinals late in the season and you end up playing in a Super Bowl. Like there's like – 
the challenges and the adversity and the ups and downs of that year on and off the field, I still pinch myself that I even got through it. I can give a shit whether we won the Super Bowl mm. or not. Like I'm honoured to be the first Australian to play in a Super Bowl and hopefully soon we'll see an Australian win a Super Bowl. But it's more about the journey of that year and what we went through as a family. Um, their support was amazing because, you know, there are times when, you know, we're living over there without a contract so we haven't got a visa so we're almost living illegally. Mm. So you're afraid to leave the country just in case they don't let you back in. Mm. Um so there's all that sort of thing, but you know, I, I wouldn't change anything for the world. It was it was a, it was a great ride, and you know, I was lucky enough to play in the league for another four years after that. It is crazy. You know, when you go home, uh, what was it like telling the fam, especially the Dale, that you know, you've been cut. Um, hey, I'm back. I'm cut. I'm back. I'm cut. I'm back. Hey, we're now going to Arizona. Do you remember those conversations? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what was it like? Like, you know. well, as I said, they I had their full support. The kids were only really young. Um, at that point, Jack, my son, was born in New York in 2007. So we're talking, this is 2008. So he's a baby. The girls are only, you know, nine and seven years old. Do they remember old. this a little They're, bit? Yeah, of course they do. Yep. They're at primary school. Um, but because it happened like we'd known, because I was at the Jets for three and a half years, a lot of what I went through, our friends and past teammates had also been through it. Yeah. So they sort of were um, ready for it almost. At some point it was going to happen to us. But because we live so far away, it's okay. If you're playing for the Jets but you go back to Philadelphia to live, well, it's a long way to go back to Australia and then get a call to say, hey, can you come for a workout? So we wanted to see the year through because what happens when you're in between jobs, all the other teams are like, hang on a minute, why isn't he got a job? We'll work him out. We'll put him on our depth chart. So if something happens to our punter, we've got, we know who we're going to sign. So I worked out at about eight teams and it's like, why'd you get cut? It's like, oh, you know, not sure. I had a bad game, you know, everything, nothing else going on. It's like, no, no, let me show you. I'll show you what I can do. And you have some good workouts and some bad workouts. I was lucky enough I had a good workout for the Cardinals. The Cardinals at that point were on their way to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. They had a good team, Kurt Warner, Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolden, and they are a high-scoring offense. All they needed was a punter to pin the opposition deep when they stalled, stalled midfield. And the drop punt was my – that was my one wood. That was my go-to. And I blew them away by my workout and how many balls I could just drop wherever I wanted on the one or two yard line. And um, that's what won me the job and it was had an influence throughout the, the playoffs. Um, even in the Super Bowl, we pinned them to the two yard line, which caused a safety. We get the ball back. We score to take the lead. Um, so I feel like I had influence there and then equaled the NFL record the year after that for inside 20s because the coaches loved it, trusted it. it sometimes as a punter, you'd, your stats are affected when you're punting behind a good offense because you're always punting short distances rather oh, than yeah. bad offenses when you're backed yeah. up trying to kick torpedoes to flip the field. Yeah, I get that. But anyway, yeah. we digress. No, no, that's good. I loved it. I loved it. I um, This is fantastic. Just on the Super Bowl, let's just stay there. What Highlights from it, you just said you pinned them deep back. Like, do you remember it vividly? Like how many yeah. times have you watched it? Let's talk about it. Um, you know, the moment, when did you come on? When was your first kick? What was going through your head? Because my next question is high stakes and how do you handle pressure? And if anyone out there listening right now, it doesn't get any bigger. It's the most watched, one of the most watched events in the world, um, probably outside of your soccer and all that. Uh, and, you know, you're coming on and the guys running at you, they're monsters. So you need to get the ball. As you said, it's not that easy. There's a technique involved and you need to execute. And also, obviously, you just spoke about job security. How do you handle them high-pressure stakes and what were you doing, thinking about, but also talk us through the Super Bowl? Well, so firstly, coming from an AFL background, you know when you run out to the ground and you look around, there's some nerves set in and it might be a, a shot at goal that really, you know, that's the thing that can mentally affect you, you know, it gets into your head that what if I miss, what if I miss. But once, once the game starts, it's 120 rolling minutes. As a punter in the NFL, you're on the sideline and – you are waiting for your moment. So it's it's like uh, every punt is like a, a shot at goal or 
a penalty kick in soccer. So if you're a soccer player and you're just playing, you've got the rhythm of the game, but if you've got to stop, that's why I love penalty shootouts because <laughs> yeah. that is the epitome of pressure, especially in a World Cup, World Cup final. Um, but you, you guess you learn to deal with pressure um, through your experience, especially in the NFL, because you've got pressure on you every time you train. So when you play, it is immense pressure. But you, I'm lucky to have an AFL background where you, you sort of learn naturally how to deal with those pressures and trust your own ability and turn the negative thoughts into positive thoughts and and ultimately just accept whatever happens. You can't blame anybody, um, you know, if it's a bad snap or the weather's poor or, you know, it's it, it just you just have to live with it. Um, but the Super Bowl, you know, I, I was hurt coming into that game. I actually hurt my groin two weeks ago in the NFC Championship game. Um but I was never in doubt to play, but that was always playing on my mind. And I punted okay in the Super Bowl, but it was that one punt that sort of I'd like to think changed the momentum of the game. It really got us back into it um, because special teams sometimes is underrated, largely underrated in the NFL. Um, it's why I love talking about it on TV and on radio because it's a third of the game. It's a phase of the game that can change the momentum. Um but it led to that lead change when Larry Fitzgerald scored that touchdown. So we minute thirty seven to go in the Super Bowl, we were lead, we were winning. So we're on the sideline just saying, "How good is this? We're about to win a Super Bowl." <laughs> after being called the worst team in playoff history after a nine and seven record going in, but ultimately Santonio Holmes catch in the back of the end zone, which they still say was a catch. Not sure, but again, <laughs> I don't. I, it doesn't worry me. It really doesn't. It's all about the journey that we went through that year and the experience in the States. Yeah, it's well said, mate. It's, uh, do, you, do you just remember getting that pigskin and like, do you, you know, now that you're not playing anymore, but do you miss grabbing the pigskin and just launching it behind a wall? Well, I still do kick with my son. Um, and I've got a couple of friends that have got aspiring young punters that I'd like to spend some time with. Plus, um, coaching, you know, under 16s well, last year, under 18s this year. Um, I still like to kick, you know, the boys will egg me on and say, go on, roost one, roost one. <laughs> I've got to be very protective that I don't rip a hamstring <laughs> yeah, or something. But I still, I still feel like I'm quite flexible. <laughs> still got power. Uh, but, you know, I'm 50, so what do you expect? Oh, that's brilliant. No, I love it, mate. Thanks for sharing that one. It's a cracker. Any advice for young kids and young men out there going through sport in general, um, from all of your experiences, what would you be? What would some of your greatest advice be, especially being a coach? Well, what's something that no one's heard before? Nah, well, just a BG. I'm not going to roll off the, the cliches, Tommy. Um, but I mean, nothing beats hard work. I mean, well, you know that, right? <laughs> not going to roll off the cliches. You can, no, you're right. No, you're right. Everything. If it was easy, we'd who, all be who, doing who, it. You know, that's a cliche. Who's made it without? Yeah, putting is in that the, the hard first yards? thing you'd say to young kids? I had a meeting this morning with um, a couple of professional athletes about the 1,000-hour rule, and they'd never heard of it before. Now, it's not a thing. No one counts the hours, but it is a thing. Some are naturally gifted. Some need to really work at it. Um, but for junior sport, I mean, the, the motto is really to have fun, enjoy what you're doing. It's like anything in life. If you were doing a job that you absolutely hated, you know, you'd probably not last very long, would you? No. So you're saying – Fun to a certain ex, you know, extent, and then what, what age is it hard work? The message. Well, when you become professional, yeah, and the lead into that transition. In in my experience and through my journey, um, you know, especially when I first moved to America, a lot of people said, "Oh, I want to go. I want to go. I want to follow in his footsteps." You know, what do I need to do? And at that point of your journey, my advice was just. Get as much out of your chosen career as you can before you give it all away and embark on a journey with no guarantees. And because there are no guarantees, um, a lot of people have tried their hand at it. Um, and look, there's a lot of successful, we're not just talking sport here, we're talking business. Um, too, a lot of Australians have plied their trade in whatever they do overseas. And it takes hard work and commitment and trust in your own ability and build strong relationships and if 
few cliches in there. Too, yeah, it's good it? though. No, it's good. Well, it's it's good. Even if you keep repeating the same thing, it's you know that's what people want to listen to. It's, there's no there's no magic word. There's no magic word or magic thing. It's hard work, like you said, and commitment and spot on, Tommy. There is no magic pill. Um, and speaking of magic pills, if you need some help in that bedroom, let's go to halftime with Pilot BG. Our friends at Pilot, I'll tell you what, if you need some magic pills, fellas, these are the guys you hit up. You want to play to the final whistle? Well, you play hard with Pilot. A big shout out to our friends at Pilot. If you need some help in the bedroom or you just need some help, don't worry about going to the doctors, BG. If you need some help, get your phone out, bangpilot.com.au, and uh, you hit them up. It's, uh, it's all discreet, confidential, and you'll get what you need uh, over the internet. Free express shipping and a discount code with ACES20 for a one-time use. Now, BG, our pilot, unforgettable flops. The time that you've flopped on the field, off the field, I said we've had some crackers um, so far. There have been uh, yeah, some really cool flops. What would your pilot flop be? Well, I've, you know, no career is perfect, is it? <laughs> I can give you a thousand flops. Um <laughs> Well, given that, um, you know, NFL is a bit of a, a theme, um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll keep it in the NFL. Yeah, keep and, it in the NFL because I think no one, else can flop, keep, no one else can keep it in the NFL. <laughs> so, well, so when I went over there, um, it my AFL career sort of followed me. Like people sort of were aware that I was um, played this strange game that they used to watch on ESPN and late night in the 80s and um, – so they knew that I was more, or I was more athletic than just to be a punter because the punter and the kicker over there are somewhat they're specialists for a reason. Um, so I, to help uh, have my teammates embrace me, I was doing things that they were doing that punters don't normally do: lift weights with them, run their routes with them, want to be on scout defense, like, and I was doing things well because I wanted to learn. To the point where the coaches, I was in a Hail Mary play on offense but also on defense to defend the Hail Mary. So we were practicing that ready for the game. So I'd be on the sideline like waiting for that, you know, waiting for that moment. But what I really wanted was I saw the other punters around the league with the ability to throw the ball or run fakes. I wanted to run a fake. And so we practiced this fake and it because in the NFL, if you can't execute a play in practice, they won't implement it in the game plan. Right, so I kept, I, I kept. This fake was awesome, right? It was a, it was almost like a run pass option, but it was a uh, kick run option. So where I'd get it, and if I, if there was nothing there, I'd kick it. If there was a seam that opened up, I would run for the first down. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I wasn't allowed to throw it. Yeah, because I didn't have a grade. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I love where you're going with this. Yeah. So. Practiced it in training camp. It got implemented in the game plan. The week leading up, we practiced it at training and it was implemented in the game plan for that week. So we're at Meadowlands, playing for the Jets, all set. The defense on the special teams had shown this weakness. So I thought this is it. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> so, I, so I got the ball and I looked up, huge big gap, huge gap between their edge and the gunner. And – I tucked it and I ran it. And then I saw the first down and my eyes lit up. And just as I was about to think get I was going to get a first down, the hole collapsed. Their defenders came from everywhere. And I was going to get hammered and I wasn't going to get a first down. I shit myself and I kicked it. <laughs> I put it on my boot <laughs> and it was an ugly line drive kick that went about 30 metres. Next thing the flags are up. Because not only uh, I was past the line of scrimmage, which is you can't you can't kick the ball after the line of scrimmage, yeah. just like when a quarterback throws the ball after a yeah. line of scrimmage. And I went on the sideline and I was so embarrassed <laughs> because they thought I was this superhuman athlete from Australia <laughs> yeah. that could do absolutely everything on special teams, offense and defense, yet this play, I got it completely wrong. That's been Probably the most embarrassing and biggest flop in my career. There you go. The pilot flop from BG at the Jets, running a fake and then shooting himself and kicking the ball. That is, uh, that's outstanding. I look forward to What year was that so we can chase the footage up? No, no, you'll find it. <laughs> we'll find it. There no. you go. It's all over YouTube. Well, we're all over YouTube for some flops. I'll give you the tip. There you go. Well, that's half time. 
Thank you, BG. Love it. Now it's time to get off the field. What is it? What sports do you love? You know, if you're at home, you've got the three days off, like you probably do over the next break or, you know, Christmas break um, that you've just had because it's 2024 now. You know, what are the sports that you just put the feet up and love watching the most? Well, yeah, the important word in that question is most because I love all sports at the elite level. I could watch anything. Like I might not watch baseball throughout the season, but I'll watch the World Series. Yeah. I won't watch basketball, not a big basketball guy, but I'll watch the playoffs. I could watch 10-pin bowling world championships, sailing. I don't care <laughs> what it is. I love That's why that. I love the Olympics. I love anything World Cup soccer, uh, you know, any High major stakes. golf tournament, tennis tournament. Uh, love it all because I think I appreciate – the talent and the work ethic to get to where they are, knowing how many people yeah, well said. are trying to get where they are. Um, that's why, And I'll stay around and watch their celebrations too because it's so meaningful mm. that they – what they've been through to achieve that moment. Um, what I, The sports I love the most though um, is obviously the AFL and the NFL. Now that, that, so I grew up wanting to be an AFL player. The NFL didn't really come online until um, Darren Bennett beat me in a long kick competition in the AFL in 1992. I won it the next year. Um, and then at that point the fire was lit that maybe I'll follow in his footsteps when my AFL career was done. But I can't believe how much I've fallen in love with the NFL as a business, as a sport, as a player, as a commentator. It's it's just a and, and it's not perfect. And I understand and appreciate why people can't warm to it, even sports fans. You know, I hear it all the time, two-stop start, don't know the rules. Um, that's fine. That's fine. Chess is a great game, but people don't like it because they don't understand the rules. They don't understand the strategy. I say just find a way to get involved in the NFL, whether it be follow a team from your favourite city in the States. Or follow a team because you've heard of a certain player that you want to keep your eye on. Or sign up to a fantasy team where you have got no choice but to follow the players in your team and you'll fall in love with it. Um, it's the way I fall in love with the English Premier League through fantasy. But uh, the NFL would be my most favourite I love it. I love it. And, uh, and, 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 and why though? Like what's the one thing NFL gives you more than all the other sports? It's played in a country of over 230 million people. Um, so you know that that has to be uh, a successful – the business side of the sport, their their own franchises, whereas, you know, in the AFL they're effectively owned by the members. So you've got – they're like businesses. They're run by like businesses. Um, and really anyone can play it. You don't have to be you – know, to play the AFL you've got to be – Fit, strong, skillful, you know. Smart. The way to explain it is if there's six disciplines in the AFL, you've got to be between a six and a nine in all of them. Where in the NFL, you've only got to be a 10 at one thing. And it's the best of the best of the best. So I think that the AFL is too saturated. The talent levels, by the time you get to 30 on the list, in every AFL club, I don't think they deserve an AFL spot because I don't think they've got what it takes to be an elite AFL player. In the NFL, you've got 1% of high school footballers go on to play college and one, sorry, 3% of high school footballers go on to play college, 1% of college footballers go on to have an NFL career. So it's the best of the best of the best. Uh, then that's what makes it so elite. Um I hope that answers your question. It's well said. I agree. Oh, mate, if you if you ask me, I'd say this is whatever he said because <laughs> I love it. And it's pretty much they're Olympic athletes. They're dead. You know, as I said, offensive line, defensive line. They're the strongest in the in the yeah some in their in their country at what they do. They're agile. They're just they're phenomenal. I love them. Um, and I, well said. Back to sport. What's the most memorable moment you've got watching? So just a moment you watched and went, wow, you could almost cry. I'm that happy. Um. And then your most memorable moment in your career, just one. 
Okay, firstly as a spectator? Yep, spectator's number one. Um, well, playing professional sport for the best part of 22 years, you don't really get to a lot of sport. Um, I mean, but I, I do enjoy it, like going to the Australian Open. Um, I like going to the grand final last year to see Geelong beat the Swans. Uh, but if we kept the NFL theme or the American theme, having the privilege to go to each Super Bowl to watch the two best teams in the NFL play off in the pinnacle is is a great experience and to have a role in bringing that to Australian sports fans um, is pretty cool. But I think the the most wow sporting moment I've been uh, as a spectator was in Michigan, went to a college game when I was playing for Detroit and it was Michigan versus Ohio State, huge rivalry, huge rivalry. It was in the big house they call it in Michigan. That Why that was a wow moment is because you've got this huge stadium with no alcohol and it is the most passionate group of fans you've ever seen. More passionate than the NFL, far more passionate than the AFL. Like the AFL are passionate, but this is was the hard sell to Americans. I'd try and sell them the game and they'd say, why is your stadium half full? You go to a college game, there was 112,131 yeah, people crazy. in that stadium all in sync, all Michigan fans. No, they might have had a few in the tailgate. Yeah, 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 or snuck it in. But the that was the bottle. moment where it was like, wow. People talk about college football and what a great experience it is. That was probably my greatest sporting event that I've been to as a spectator. Love it. Yeah, well, I think you're on the money with college. What about playing? Is it the Super Bowl? Is it a grand final? What is it? Yeah, well, it's definitely the Super Bowl um, for obvious reasons. But my first game was very memorable because of the journey and the challenges that we'd faced in that transition with no guarantees. It was on September 11. Um, it was a really emotional time. I'm not a big crier, but I did shed a tear when the planes went over for the game. The Jets. And just with the American National Anthem. It just <laughs> was – that was super memorable. Um, playoff wins are always memorable. Winning the NFC Championship game in – Arizona in front of your home fans, knowing that we're going to the Super Bowl was super special. Um, probably that was probably that. Now that was probably my most memorable moment as a player, winning that game. The Super Bowl was special for, mm. but that was the moment in Phoenix in front of the fans, with your teammates, with your family on the field, with the confetti, kids doing snow angels. Yeah, that was probably that was probably the highlight. Yeah, that's special. Can visualize it. Now, thanks for that as well, mate. Um, I could talk to you about NFL. We're gonna get back to only sport, right? Because it's uh, not only NFL, but it should be. Uh, <laughs> you know, I love it. Um, right now, there's a few more questions here, but if you could be anyone in the world for a week and just be in their body and their lifestyle, you know, just to experience something else, just for one week only, who would the athlete be and why? You're talking about now or yeah, now, in right my now. upbringing? You're like, yeah, you click your fingers and you get to just jump into their their skin, their body, their mind for a week. Who would it be? Uh, and we're staying away from NFL? No, nah, you can go anywhere with this. You want to be, be an NFL quarterback? You want to be a basketballer? You want to be an actor? You want to be anything? Who would you be? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, oh, we'll stick with sport. Uh, oh, I've always had a man crush on Tom Brady, but he's since retired. Um, Patrick Mahomes is my favourite player in the NFL. Um, so it, if it was an NFL player, it wouldn't mind me Patrick Mahomes for a while. Uh, tra tra Travis Kelsey's probably in the argument. <laughs> yeah, he would uh, be actually. Now he would be. <laughs> I met uh, met Travis last year. Yeah. Uh, great guy. Looks like a legend. Yeah. Fun guy. Good guy. Um, sorry for dropping names there. but we drop, are Mate, drop. I don't, know, I don't know why people have an issue with name dropping. I think it's the best. It's what everyone wants to hear anyway. Um, Eric Harland. Don't know him. Oh, sorry, the soccer player. I wasn't – I was thinking NFL. Sorry. Sorry. 
Cut that. No, leave it in, leave it in. I look like an idiot, but I know. I was thinking NFL. I'm Imagine going, being that good. Yeah, I know. I've Imagine seen being that of good. him walking the streets and he doesn't care. He's no. just like, hey, you going coffee? Just a normal dude. Yeah, tries Looks to be like normal. Looks like he lives in Janjak. Yeah. Just, uh, he is special, isn't he? He's like a special. unicorn. The way he walks around, like he is very marketable. I mean, you're in business, sports, mar- I don't know, sports marketing, but you're in marketing and he would be your pin-up boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There you go. There's a couple options. What about the goat? Couple more to go. Who would be the goat in your eyes? There's a few that get thrown around. Just recently, we had Novak Djokovic was the goat in Dion Prestia's eyes. There's only one goat though in uh, this question. Who is the goat? Michael Jordan. MJ. So MJ is the top. Any reason why? You, you can't like well, so, so like LeBron, so, Tom so, Brady, Novak. So I, I get Novak um, is the goat. But he he's only just taken over Roger Federer, who was the goat. Like Michael Jordan was the original goat. Now Tom Brady's the goat. Well, you can only have one goat. Yeah, but yeah, but okay. can you? Yeah, well, on this question, yeah. Okay, Michael Jordan. All right. Well, let's just roll into the next question then, because this is my favourite segment. This is. Uh, this is if you get a pair of Ricks here, BG. You come on here and you get a pair of Rixies like you always do. I've got you. Uh, I've got you the Tribeca champagnes. Uh, so they're they're for you. So I want you to whack these on. This is the Ricks lunch, okay? And there's going to be a couple of people that come with you. So whack them on. What do we got? This is called the Ricks lunch. It's a hypothetical. But when you go to lunch and you whack the Ricks on, you go, "G'day, boys." You got three people at lunch, and all you got to do is rock up to lunch and have lunch with two of them. But you've got to tell one of them to go home. These are the three people standing in front of you. You've got David Beckham, Michael Jordan, and Tom Brady. You get to have a two-hour lunch, talk shit, all unfiltered. You know, you're going for it. The board, no, there's no cameras, just you boys together. But you've got to send one home. Who are you looking in the eyes and uh, and taking home? Maybe tell me who you're keeping. <laughs> so it's more. Well, let's, well, I'll start with Michael Jordan. I'm going to keep Michael Jordan. Yeah, you have to. He's the coach. <laughs> I kind of know where you're going to go with the next one. Right, so, so this is who I'm keeping. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm saying um, that I would like, I would like. Um, oh, it's a tough one, actually. And you're thinking it's lunch, it's beers, so there's a dynamic there. Um, well, see, it's tough because I've I've met David Beckham and I've met Tom Brady. Have you met Vex? Um, I've had lunch with him already. There you go. He came out for Manchester United. We had a Ford thing at the MCG. It was lunch. It was. It was, but it wasn't like this is a different kind of this lunch, though, lad, right? Like, yeah, lads' lunch. Well, I have just finished um, the documentary on Bex, and I, you know, when a documentary is done so well like that, you do whatever you thought of them before. You got a newfound appreciation for who they are and what they've gone through, uh, and how good they were. Uh, so my, the second person that I would keep at lunch would be David Beckham. There you go. See, see, what are you saying to uh, – well, I agree with you, by the way. That, that doco, it makes you just want to lo- – you love him even more. You didn't realise how hard he had it. What are you saying to Tom? Because Tom's standing in front of you. You're sorry, big fella. Well, um, so I was lucky enough as captain of the Jets to shake his hand twice a year um, at the coin toss. Uh and a kicker that I played with, Jay Feely, was best man in his wedding. So I sort of got to know him a little bit. Um, but but I don't actually – like as much as – A kicker was best man at his wedding. That's it, right? That's it. Oh, Michigan, Michigan boys. Oh, gotcha. Um, but, you know, he cost me my job at the New York Jets because <laughs> he capitalised my four-shank punts. So if if it wasn't for him – if we were playing some raggedy ass quarterback that couldn't capitalize on that good field position, I still might be a punter in the NFL. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to spend any more time with Tom. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it's very well said. Just on that, when you shook Tom Brady's hand, is it a firm, manly shake? Like, what was his handshake like? Uh, unabated man crush on Tom Brady. You can remember, played against him from 2005 to 2012. Uh, and then watched his success post then. I mean, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, but yeah, no strong handshake, strong handshake. But I never asked for his jersey though. You I wish you did. No, because I was. I <laughs> so Vince Young uh, was a quarterback for Texas, 
and he was my favourite college player. And, you know, what happens sometimes is you get voted captain because you're the quarterback. So he was captain, he was rookie. I shook his hand, um, tossed the coin and said, hey, Vince, after the game, can we swap jerseys? <laughs> no. Oh. So I, th- I, I then knew it wasn't an NFL thing. Yeah. yeah. I, was tr- I was trying to collect them, you know. I was yeah, yeah. Oh, favourite mate, college player. So if Vince Young said no, I definitely wasn't going to ask Tom Brady. Yeah, well, I th- oh, you should have just shot your shot. But, uh, oh, you know, it's normally a quarterback v. quarterback play. They do the media thing afterwards. But, yeah, mate, you, you, hey, he's coming to Melbourne, so you might be able to still get his jersey, sign it, talk about that story. Um, they should get you up there if they haven't already organised that. Well, mate, that is all I've got for you on Only Sport. Uh, we we appreciate your time, your stories. Like anyone, if you want a pair of Ricks online, go to rickseyewear.com.au and use the discount code ACES. Um, again, shout How out. How are the ACES going? To, yeah, everything's going well, mate. We've got uh, big, big shows. How's the fantasy going? No, no, no. We won't talk about my year. We won't talk about your year either because you're creaming everyone. That's why he's the man. He's uh, he's not just on TV for no reason. You're what have you been at the top of the charts for the last three years running, I reckon? So hopefully you can finish the job. Um, but, uh, mate, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. To everyone listening and tuning in, we hope you had a uh, safe and happy new year. Uh, again, shout out to our friends at Pilot. Lads, if you need some help playing to the final whistle, you know where to go, pilot.com.au. Check it out. I reckon BG will be on there after this episode. That's all I've got for you. Thank you so much. Appreciate your support. And we'll see you on the next episode of Only Sport. One more time because I really mean it. I just want to say a massive thank you for all the support you continue to give us at the American Aces. If you want to further support us, make sure you like and subscribe, hit the follow button so you can keep up to date with all our exciting shows and announcements. Righto, now it's time to give our sponsors a massive plug. Struggling to make it to third base before striking out? Wood not driving like it used to? Let me guess, tackle's gone a little bit soft? No stress. If you're having issues in the bedroom, like erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation, Australia's favourite men's healthcare provider, Pilot, has all the clinical tools you need to get your game back on track. Thousands of Aussie men come to Pilot to get simple, discreet and clinical treatments online. Pilot has free shipping, auto refills and free follow-ups over text with practitioners. Get started today at pilot.com.au and remember, play hard until the final whistle with Pilot. Aces, I know I always talk about the Rixies, but I've got to offer you the discount again in case you've forgotten or in case you're sleeping under a rock. We have a special discount code for everyone that listens to this podcast or watch the podcast. It's Aces. Head online to rickseyewear.com.au and use the discount code Aces and you'll get 20% off. That's right, 20% off, one-fifth at checkout and free express shipping. So head online, rickseyewear.com.au and check it out.